0: The shot, runs into the box, shot, score! It's time for Atlanta Soccer Tonight. Tune in as Jason Longshore gives you insight and analysis on the beautiful game, including headlines from around the world of soccer. Rebound, score! This is Atlanta Soccer Tonight, brought to you by Moe's Southwest Grill. Welcome to Moe's.
1: Atlanta Soccer Tonight is on Sports Radio 92.9, The Game. Here's Jason Longshore.
0: Let's kick it. Atlanta soccer tonight, live on 929, the game and the Odyssey app. I'm Jason Longshore. Welcome to our weekly show. We cover soccer in Atlanta, in the Southeast, in the United States, in the world, wherever there's soccer. We're going to talk about it on Atlanta soccer tonight. But we always start with the home team, Atlanta United. And it was an, man, there's so many different descriptors we could go with for this one. It's a 2 2 draw in Toronto, where if you, Said that this is going to end in a draw without any description of how it goes down. I think you'd feel differently than how it actually played out. Because a draw in Toronto is not a bad result. It's not a bad result this season. Toronto is the king of the draws this season. They've won a game, they've lost a game, and they've drawn every other one. They're not an easy team to beat. But this game wasn't played on paper. This game wasn't played ahead of time. It wasn't a video game. This was real. And Atlanta United had the game in their hands. They had three points in the luggage being readied to be loaded onto the bus to get out of BMO field with it. Brandon Cervania snatched that back, and it ended up 2-2. Let's hear a couple clips from Gonzalo Pineda to get, I think, a feel for this game. This is Gonzalo speaking about that frustrating nature of this match saturday night
1: frustrated upset second time um on a row that we're winning and then we concede goals and uh and we cannot reward ourselves with three points because i felt that we did enough to to get three points uh but we couldn't finalize that's where we need to learn uh but very happy with other things. Very, very happy also with the, the pressure, the possession in certain moments, how we disrupt their pressure very well in, 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 in many parts of the game. Um, matchups, first goal in MLS. Um, so a lot of positives as well. It's just the sour taste in our mouth is because we, we lost two, two points in the last minute of the game.
0: Conflicted? Maybe that's the best descriptor? Of how you feel coming out of this one, because yeah, there's good things in this match. There's very good things in this match, but it's ultimately undone by conceding almost the last play of the game. It's a well worked goal from Toronto. I mean, we can get into very specific detail about what happened on this goal. And Luckily, we have a clip of Gonzalo Pineda getting into that detail about what happened on the Toronto equalizer.
1: Well, I feel like uh, we uh, overpress a little bit on the left side. Uh, uh, I think when the ball went from their right to the left, our left to to the right, maybe Macho pressed a little bit the center back. That opens a little bit of a gap in there in the the pocket, and then Mm Brooks goes too high. Uh, we allow the inner pass that we normally try to break and then we allow another inner pass through the channel and that's where they get across. The we couldn't cover the player coming inside. Uh, it's a shame because we were doing a great job at containing that amount of pressure with a lot of attackers from their side. Um, so yeah, that's what happened.
0: That is a really detailed breakdown about how that goal comes about. And you have to give Toronto credit because Brooks Lennon steps out higher because Lorenzo Insigne drops. Insigne had come into the match in the last 15 minutes, right after Machoke Joel's goal to give Atlanta the lead. He was being prepared before that. And Insigne wasn't finding a ton of space. He, I mean, he's a great player. Obviously, he's going to make some things happen. But I thought Brooks Lennon contained him pretty well. And in that sequence, he actually dropped pretty deep. That was part of opening things up. But the over pressing commitment that, that Gonzalo Pineda talked about there, I think it's really important because you know you can't throw cliches out when Atlanta United concedes. You know, it wasn't about a lack of intensity. It was as Gonzalo says, maybe a little bit too much intensity. And that's what happened against Toronto first time out. If you go back and remember, I think some of the conversation about the Toronto goal in that one that gave them the lead that time around was that Atlanta was not effective in their press or they weren't pressing in that moment. But what actually happened and Pineda talked about it the next week at training, it was actually a little bit over committed in the pressing where I believe in that one, Tiago Almada chased forward got to the goalkeeper, opened up a lane. And Toronto is a good enough team that if you give them that little bit of an opening, they will hurt you. And they've got a number of players who can do it. In this case, it wasn't Insigne. It wasn't Bernardeschi. It was Jonathan Osorio with the ball through to Jaquiel Marshall-Ruddy, who I thought really added a lot for Toronto off the bench. But he was far more effective on the wing when he came in. And, and it's a really good goal from Brandon Cervania as well. Not the player that I would have expected to pop up in that moment and have that high level of a play in the opposing 18. It's a really good goal. There are mistakes in it, and that's where you get to this next level that Atlanta United is trying to ascend to. Can't make mistakes even that small against good teams, especially on the road. We'll get into this a little bit more as we go tonight, but I don't want Machoke Choles' goal to get lost in the shuffle here. This was a big moment, and and this is a player that is a local, very local product. This is a player who I saw play pickup at the Clarkston Community Center a long time ago. Uh, I played for the Decatur YMCA and they've done a great job in bringing players through. They produced two for the Atlanta United first team, Lagos Kunga was the first Machop chol the second this is a, a really strong program and a number of other players have gotten their start there as well those were two guys who went through the the Decatur YMCA program really deep into uh right before Atlanta United started they, they played with Decatur Y all the way up until the first year of the academy and Machop was on that first Academy team that first unite team team didn't get the homegrown deal then wasn't ready at that time Went to Wake Forest and got himself ready. He's been on another level since coming back from national team duty with South Sudan. Uh, He talked about that a little bit and just you know how I think how it makes him feel and it gives him a ton of confidence to represent his country, uh, to get to see family, to to really be looked at as a star with that group and a player with huge expectations. And I think he brought that back to Atlanta. It's been very effective off the bench. And this was a little bit different situation. First, I want you to hear the goal call in case you haven't. And uh, you can hear a little bit about how excited I was in this moment. Our Rouges crossed to Joel hitter. Score! Yeah. Machope Joel scores on a header for Atlanta United. They take the lead in the 76th minute. What a stop by Gonzalo Pineda to bring Machope Joel into play as a 10. The Toronto fans hate it. I love it. Machope Joel with a giant goal for Atlanta United. He's not a 10, and he's playing that tonight giving this team what they need in the absence of Tiago Almada, gets on the end of that cross, 2-1 Atlanta. Just to give you a little bit more of the full story of why you could hear a Toronto fan very, very clearly on the broadcast, Um, we were not in the booth at BMO Field where we have been in previous visits with three TV crews in the building for uh apple tv mls season pass english spanish and french french language for the canadian teams there wasn't a booth so we were under a tent next to the booth uh separated from the the fans but we were right next to the fan base so it it was interesting um I kind of love it, though, honestly, because you can feel the buzz. You can feel the crowd a little bit. You can even hear them directly when they are booing uh, because Mike gets a little loud on his goal calls, if you haven't noticed. And I get a little loud in my responses to fans booing in our face. (laughs) So that was uh, that was quite the moment. That was actually a lot of fun. Um, I think he did hear me because he stopped booing when I when I was yelling about Machope. So um, other things about this game. So, okay. Machope comes in as a 10. Don't get hung up on positions. I, I beg of you. I, I beg of fans out there. I beg of the soccer community who speaks about the game. This is not the old days where he he's a right back and he's a right back and he's only a right back. And he don't even think about putting him on the left. And he can't play center back. He's a right back. No, that's not how the game works anymore. Players have profiles and they can give you different things in different positions. And when you start to change that chemistry around, sometimes bad things happen. Sometimes good things happen in this match. No Tiago Almada. He was held out as a, as a precaution. Hopefully will be part of training tomorrow at the children's health care of Atlanta training ground. That was the plan um, barring any setbacks and he made the trip and he was seen by the team's medical staff throughout the trip. So hopefully, he will be back on the pitch. But you needed something a little bit different. And Pineda was asked about this after the game. He said he needed a more attack-minded player in that position, that number 10 position as the game was going on. A Sadic, his natural inclination is to drop, is to keep possession, is to be a little safer in that role. He's not as goal-dangerous, a Sadic. He, he didn't have a giveaway in the game. He completed every pass that he made but he wasn't getting into the spots that a Machoke Chole would. So, Chol comes in. He also knew that, okay, that can work. You can give me what I need in the attack, but he knows the work rate and the ground that Chole can cover defensively. So, he knew he was going to get that out of that position as well. I thought it was a brilliant sub. I think it's one of those subs that you have to solve problems from your bench in this game. You have to solve problems, whether you're a player and you you might not have worked on something in training and you see it and you got to figure it out and you got to make it happen. You got to fix it. You got to solve the problem in the match. Managers got to solve problems. In a perfect world, you've got a backup for every position and it's cut and dried. This guy's out. This guy's in. It's not how it works. You have injuries happen in the season. You got to play guys in different places. Sometimes you got to trust your gut and you got to play somebody in a position that I don't think Machope has really, played in very much, but Gonzalo Pineda, knowing the player, knowing what the game needed, brought on a player that he could trust to do the task, and the task is more of the work in the defensive side, but he had that hunch that Choll would be able to get into some of the spots in the attack that maybe a, a Sadich isn't going to get into, and he did. And he scored the go-ahead goal. And I don't want that to get lost in the shuffle of conceding a late equalizer. I thought that was a brilliant sub. I thought it was a brilliant performance from Machoke Chol. And do not be surprised if we see more and more of Machope Chol as these next few weeks go on. Other elements from this game, I think Brooks Lennon is continuing to put up best 11 kind of performances. And it's not getting talked about enough. Yes, he got caught a little bit higher because he was following Lorenzo Insigne, who he bottled up pretty well when Insigne came on. Insigne had a go at him a couple of times on the dribble, and Brooks Lennon bottled him up pretty well. He, he created three chances as well. He had the assist, obviously, on Yorgos Yakamakis's opener, which was a perfectly placed corner. Had two more chances created on the night. But 1v1 defending, Brooks Lennon has been outstanding these past two weeks against two of the best dribblers in the league in Tylus Magno and Lorenzo Insigne. Brooks Lennon is playing like a star right now, and it needs to be talked about more, not just locally, but nationally. Brooks Lennon has been that guy as of late, and I hope that can continue. Also, to finish this segment up, look, it's good to get Toronto out of the way early in the season. You know, we've played them home and away now. You're not going to see Toronto until maybe the playoffs, they're going to get better when they get healthy. Bernardeschi and Larea, that's a problem on the right side of their attack, as we saw on Toronto's first goal. You get Lorenzo Insigne healthy, things start to look really dangerous. Lorenzo Insigne at maybe 70 75% on Saturday night, looked pretty dangerous at times. If Adama Diamande can give them maybe that 70 or 75% of the good level that we saw from him at LAFC, this is an attack that can score goals anywhere you get Matt Hedges back on the back line from concussion protocol, the defense, which needed to be upgraded dramatically, then that defense becomes good enough to win games. I think it's a good thing that you get Toronto out of the way early in the season when they're not at full strength. We'll see what they can turn into. They've got a ladder to climb in the Eastern Conference. Atlanta United in a good spot in the East, but can they be in a better spot in the East? Coming up in five minutes, we'll go a little bit deeper into that, And we'll take a look around the rest of the league. Thanks for listening to Atlanta Soccer Tonight on 92.9 The Game and the Odyssey app.
1: When it comes to the world of soccer, we've got you covered. This
0: is Atlanta Soccer Tonight with Jason Longshore.
1: On Sports Radio 92.9 The Game.
0: Welcome back, Atlanta Soccer Tonight, live on 92.9 The Game and the Odyssey app. Let's put a bow on this trip to BMO Field and Toronto before we start to look ahead. I said it late in the match. Uh, maybe oh, maybe right before stoppage time, maybe a little bit before that. It, it felt like the game was tilting. And, and look, that happens when you're protecting a lead and the other team brings on their star man in Lorenzo Insigne. First time we'd seen him in a long time. The buzz was building in the stadium, and it felt like the game was turning. Atlanta brought on Luis Abram. They didn't really concede anything in terms of attack because Andrew Gutman and Brooks Lennon were then very free to step forward and step up high, but it didn't work. I said on the broadcast that it was an opportunity to make a statement. You want to be a top team in this league, you get these results. This was an opportunity. It was that statement was not made yet. This group, they have to learn how to see games like this out. Atlanta United was the better team in this. It felt different than the NYC game, where that felt like a draw, a draw. And it just, that's what it felt like. This one felt like points lost because it was in the bag. You've got to see that out. It's not easy to win on the road in this league. You just can't throw away the opportunities to do it. You can't. This is two points lost. It's a lesson that can be learned as well. And we'll see if the squad has learned it next time they go back out on the road. That's going to be in Nashville who went to New York, not to Yankee Stadium. They went to City Field. So different borough. Nashville lost on the road. They've got a big run of games at home. Four in a row coming up. Atlanta's part of that. We'll see if Atlanta has learned this lesson from Toronto when they go to Nashville. But before that, they've got work to do. And it's two games at home in two different venues in two different competitions. First up, it's Sunday, not Saturday night, Sunday, 4.30-ish kickoff. We'll get the official kickoff time for you later in the week. We'll be on the air at four. And we'll be on Star 94 this week. Be hammering that home all week for you. The Atlanta Hawks playing the Boston Celtics in the NBA playoffs. They'll be on 92 The game. We will be on Star 94 on Sunday. Chicago Fire are the opponent. I know Chicago has not been very good as of late in recent years in Major League Soccer. This edition of the Chicago Fire are unbeaten in their last five games. Now, they were taught a lesson of their own on Saturday night they had a 2-0 lead at home at Soldier Field against the defending Eastern Conference champions, Philadelphia. They ended up having to settle for a 2-2 draw. Dropping points at home is not a recipe for a true revival of what the Chicago Fire used to be. But can Chicago come to Atlanta and get those points back? Yes, they can. They are good enough to do it. Kai Kamara, The ageless wonder, Kai Kamara. Three goals this season. He's over 38 years old. He's only three goals away from tying Landon Donovan for the second spot in MLS career goals. He's got a ways to go to get to Chris Wondolowski. I'm not putting anything past Kai Kamara because he's still scoring goals. He's scored against 25 different teams in this league. There's only four that he hasn't scored against. He hasn't played St. Louis yet, so that's one. Only played Austin once. That's two. Played Charlotte twice. That's three. And he's played Atlanta United three times. Kai Kamara has not scored against Atlanta United. Atlanta's going to have to make keep that one. Keep that at a big zero for Kai Kamara. That's one part of getting the result and getting the win on Saturday. Got to stop other guys too, though. You got to stop somebody like Chris Mueller. He scored twice this year. He's wreaking havoc on the wing. Jared Shakiri getting back into this team. He hasn't played a ton this year for Chicago. He came off the bench on Saturday night. This is a good attack. I like Gutierrez a lot, too. The youngster, really creative. One of their best chance creators, Brian Gutierrez. But the back line's better, too. This back line, it's led by Rafael Schius. They've built chemistry. You're getting a consistent back four playing in front of a teenage goalkeeper. Now, the Fire have done this before. Last teenage goalkeeper did pretty well for himself, Gaga Slonina. He's now at Chelsea. Chris Brady is the new teenage goalkeeper in Chicago, carving a pretty nice path for himself. He's already got a clean sheet. He's only lost one time this year. Chicago has only lost once, five straight unbeaten. They might not be getting the headlines. They're not getting the hype at all. But Ezra Hendrickson has things moving in the right direction for Chicago in 2023. They have an opportunity to make a statement of their own with a strong performance on Sunday at the Benz. Do they have to get all three points to make that statement? No, they don't. But Atlanta United does have to get all three points in this one. You drop points on the road. You've got to come back home and make up for it. But it will not be easy. Do not fall into the trap of looking at 2022 Chicago Fire or 2021 Chicago Fire. Don't do that. Look at this Chicago Fire. They're not spectacular. They're not going to grab headlines. But this is a team that is not easy to beat, and they've got a guy up top in Kai Kamara who, man, he has been there and done that, and he's seen every trick in the book. He's probably written a few extra tricks to put in the book. You've got to be on your toes dealing with somebody like Kamara, and he's getting good service right now. He's won games for Chicago already this year. Can he do it again? Atlanta's got to bottle him up. This is a game Atlanta should win. All that being said, Atlanta's the better team. They should win this game at home. They are at home. They have that advantage. It will not be easy for them against Chicago. All right, other updates around MLS from the weekend. You had 10 goals scored after the 80th minute around the league this weekend. There were some big ones, too. Mentioned Brandon Cervanias. Obviously, we saw that play out firsthand with Toronto. That got a point for them. Michael Barrios, uh, I don't know what happened. In the situation with Colorado and Charlotte. Uh big mistake from George Marks, the backup goalkeeper for Charlotte. Michael Barrios gets the goal. It's kind of handed to him. And Colorado gets a point on the road. That was late. Sean was Zawadski. That's a tricky name. Sorry, Sean. Uh he got an equalizer for Columbus deep in stoppage time, and Bruce Arena freaked out about it. Uh, There were supposed to be five minutes of stoppage time and it ended up being eight. There was a big VAR situation that took about three minutes right around the 90th minute. So uh, I know Bruce Arena was very upset. He he used some maybe grumpy old man words. But, you know, um, were they looking a little bit too hard at the VAR situation? And with the whole clear and obvious thing, that's a whole different conversation. But yes, the referee Could allow the play to continue, and Zawadzki, there you go, Sean. Zawadzki had the equalizer late. Omer Fernandez, he had a late equalizer for the New York Red Bulls. There just weren't a whole lot of their supporters to see it. If you did not see this whole situation, talked about it last week with Dante Van Zier and his admission that he used a racial slur in the match against San Jose. Well, he has left the the team of his own accord for now. I don't really know what that means. Um, Gerhard Struber spoke about it. Maybe wasn't handled the best way uh, by Struber. Hasn't been handled the best way by the Red Bulls. The fans are very upset about it, and the supporters walked out at the beginning of the match. So it was a pretty empty supporter section that saw Omer Fernandez score an equalizer for the Red Bulls to get a home point. Duncan McGuire, 88th-minute game winner for Orlando against Minnesota. And the biggest one was Bernard Kamungo for Dallas, another late winner against Real Salt Lake. Other results from the weekend. Seattle, they were up 1-0 in the 70th minute on the road in Portland. They're huge, huge rivals. And he ended up losing 4-1. Dirona Spria's bicycle kick might have turned the season around for Portland. It's one goal. We have to wait and see. But they needed a spark. And Gio Savarese's bunch got that spark with a bicycle kick from, it feels like Espria only scores bangers, only has these crazy wild moments of just incredible skill. Is this going to be enough to light a fire under the Portland Timbers? Again, we will wait and see. Cincinnati and St. Louis, this was the high-profile game of the weekend. They had to wait over two hours just to kick off because of the storms that rolled through St. Louis. That wait just gave St. Louis more time to get fueled up. They go off to a dominant 5-1 win. That puts them back on top of the Supporters' Shield table. But, 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 LAFC then went out yesterday, beat the Galaxy, Three, two, that was a pretty wild second half in El Trafico, but LAFC's win, that gives them the better points per game, puts them one point behind St. Louis. They're tied with New England and Cincinnati for that spot, but points per game, LAFC's played one less. Remember the first El Trafico was supposed to be opening weekend that did not get played. So LAFC now on points per game, they have the best in the league this is a just a really interesting year so far when you look around Major League Soccer because what what teams are starting to separate themselves from the group. LAFC? Yes, they really you don't have a lot of questions about LAFC and what they've done so far this season. At least you shouldn't. They've been that good. St. Louis? Six wins out of eight. That's amazing. First, it's first six wins in club history. But a couple of losses that were kind of, hmm, head scratchers. Just a little bit. LAFC has not lost. Five wins, two draws. Beyond that, New England. Five, one, and two. Cincinnati, five, one, and two. Cincinnati, five wins out of eight. Looks really good. Only 10 goals in eight games. That's mm, conceded nine. But. Five of those just came this weekend in a bad, bad loss on the road. So that's a question on Cincinnati. You got some questions on St. Louis. Really none on LAFC. New England, not much. Not much in terms of questions. They've been very good. Beyond that, Seattle, Well, you have to ask questions after a 4-1 loss to Portland where you had a 1-0 lead in the 70th. Atlanta United, only one loss this year. You have to ask questions after that loss in Columbus. And points on the road, but conceding late, 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 late in Toronto. You have to ask questions. That's fair. Columbus, you can ask questions about the start, not about the recent form. Three wins and a draw in their last four. Columbus, really good. Dallas, 4-2-2 as well. Really good. Back-to-back wins and a good one against Real Salt Lake at home. San Jose is a very good team as well. I think that win for Atlanta in week one is looking better and better with San Jose's recent performances. Two wins, two draws in their last four. That's another good side. New York City rounds out the top 10, two draws, and then they beat Nashville at City Field on the weekend. They're struggling to score goals at only nine and eight games. So on the negative side of questions about what's going on in the league in 2023, is it fair to ask questions about Minnesota and Orlando? They're both 3-2-2. Two, and two. Both teams conceding about a goal a game but both teams only scoring about a goal a game. Minnesota's lost two in a row and Orlando beat them in this last one. I think it's fair to ask a couple of questions about both of them. Toronto, we've talked about it. I I think there, there have been questions because six draws out of eight is not ideal, but only one loss out of eight. That's pretty good. Only one win, but they've had a lot of injuries. I do think Toronto will be better. Fair to ask the questions, but I think Toronto will be better. Is it fair to ask questions about Philadelphia? They're two, four, and two. They haven't won in their last five in the league. They are balancing CONCACAF Champions League. I think that gives them the out, and it should. That has to be, that has to be the, the first priority right now for Philadelphia. But can you ask questions about, are they as good as they were last year? Yeah, I think that's fair. We've talked about Portland. Austin, you have to ask questions. 2-3-2, and ain't getting bounced in CONCACAF Champions League by Violette from Haiti. You have to ask questions about Austin. You have to ask questions about the Red Bulls. One win out of eight. You have to ask questions about them. Uh, not a good start for the Red Bulls. Miami, fair to ask questions. Two wins. First two games, two wins. Last five games, five losses. Questions. Charlotte, questions. One win out of eight. LA Galaxy, Kansas City. Massive questions. Questions to the point that you wonder about the future. Neither team has gotten a win. Kansas City's only scored two goals in eight. LA Galaxy lost their big rivalry match at home. Fans are unhappy. You've got a lot of issues with the LA Galaxy. There's a lot of questions around the league right now in 2023. That's what makes this league so, so interesting. Eight games in. I don't think we have a lot of answers yet, but we do have a lot of questions. All right, coming up next on Atlanta Soccer Tonight, three local stories, four world headlines, three things that make me smile about this game that we love so much. The 3-4-3 is up next in five on 92.9 The Game and the Odyssey app. It's time to wrap up tonight's show with the three, 4 three-four-three. Three, four, three. Three. three local stories, four headlines from around the world, and three things that made you smile about the game.
1: Atlanta Soccer Tonight is on Sports Radio ninety-two nine, the game.
0: Welcome back! It's Atlanta Soccer Tonight on ninety-two nine, the game, and the Odyssey app. Y'all know by now the three-four-three. Three, that's what closes out every AST. Three local stories, four world headlines, three things that make me smile about this game that I love so much. Let's start on the local side. Number one, Sean Lanza of the Atlanta United Academy, formerly of Inter Atlanta, local youth club. Sean was called up to the US U17 national team camp in Florida this week. It's a huge opportunity for Lanza to continue his rise in the youth national team pool ahead of a U17 World Cup. Later this year, starts in November. Don't be surprised to see Lanza earn some time with Atlanta United 2 as the MLS Next Pro season continues on as well. Speaking of Atlanta United 2, that's our number two out of the three local stories. They earned their first win of the season last night, dominated Orlando 3-1 in Kennesaw. Eric Lopez opened the scoring from the penalty spot. He earned the penalty himself, grabs the ball, takes the penalty, Converts it down the middle. Nick Firmino, he had to enter the game as a substitute. Didn't get the start. Johnny Vial was injured on a challenge. It was a clean challenge. I know it's Orlando. We got to clarify. But it was a clean challenge. And Nick Firmino has to come in to finish the match out for Johnny Vial. You know, Nick comes in and makes the game his own with two goals. One late in the first half. And a really nice one off of an Orlando throw-in that was turned over quickly and Firmino hit a rocket from the top of the 18, made the most of his opportunity. Kofi Twamasi wore the captain's armband, and he was outstanding in the holding midfield. One of the league leaders in interceptions, he's winning tackles, he just keeps regaining possession. When you've got Atlanta United's top two teams with Franco Ibarrá in the midfield for the first team, regaining possession, winning tackles, intercepting passes, and you've got Kofi Tuomasi doing the same thing with the second team, you love to see it. Atlanta was dominant. Orlando's goal comes from a late penalty. I thought it was a really, really strong performance across the board for Steve Cook's team, and we talked to Steve Cook after the game. You're going to get to hear a lot from Steve. You'll also hear from Kofi Tuomasi and Nick Firmino on the b-sides later this week that's our show here on off the woodwork at 92.9 the game where you get to hear about the developmental side of things going on at atlanta united a lot of atlanta united too also atlanta united academy as well number three on the local side one of the most impressive high school soccer seasons in georgia history it's continuing Shambly. their girls remain unbeaten and they have advanced to the state quarterfinals in 5a their only blemish on their record, it's a draw against number one in six A, Marist. Now there's teams that have finished seasons undefeated before, and there probably will be some this season as well. But why I think this season is as impressive as it is, Chambly won the girls' state championship last year, but it was taken away from them after the win. They had a coach who was at a youth club where some of the players were at, and there's a lot of dispute about how this rule is written and and how it should be enforced and all of these different aspects, but it ended up costing Shambley a state title last year. They picked themselves up and they booked an incredibly difficult non-region schedule. Some teams do that. Some teams go for an easy non-region schedule. Some teams challenge themselves. I've never seen any team challenge themselves the way that Shambly has. They've beaten seven ranked teams this season in different classifications. They beat 7A number two Buford. Buford was knocked out of the state tournament tonight at Walton. They beat ranked teams and and like top ranked teams. I'm talking top five ranked teams out of most of those seven. They've outscored their opponents 19-0 in the first two rounds of the state tournament. Huge game next week. Now we'll find out where it will be later in the week because these are two region champs. Number one in 5A, Shambly, will face number three in 5A, Cambridge. That'll be a quarterfinal next week. And we'll have to see how the coin flip goes to see who will host in that one. Stay tuned. Four headlines from around the world. Number one, Victor Osimhen make his return for Napoli tomorrow against Milan in the second leg of their Champions League quarterfinal. Milan won the first leg at the San Siro 1-0 last week. Stefano Pioli, manager for Milan, he said a one-goal advantage is not enough to provide security against an aggressive Napoli side who have not lost at home in their last 12 Champions League games. Napoli will get Osimhen back, and Pioli says he's not changing anything, and I don't think he should. Milan is, has had Napoli's number the last two games. Two wins, but also two games without Victor Osimhen. He makes Napoli better. How much is he going to have in the tank tomorrow? We'll find out. Napoli will be missing center back Kim min They will be missing Andre Frank-Zambo and Grisa, and they will be missing Giovanni Simeone. On the Milan side, only injury concern is Olivier Giroud. He's been dealing with an Achilles injury, and that is a concern. It's not clear yet as to whether Giroud will be part of Milan's side. That is a must-watch game tomorrow afternoon from Napoli. The other semifinalists, this is our number two on the world headlines. That's going to be decided over the next two days. Chelsea has to figure out how to overturn a 2-0 deficit at Stamford Bridge against Real Madrid. Frank Lampard is in charge of figuring that out. Chelsea's looking for their first win in over a month. Six straight matches in all competitions without a win. And they did not look so good over the weekend in that preparation for Real Madrid. Next up, Inter. And Benfica, Inter 1 in Portugal 2-0. Now they host the second leg at the San Siro. They're in prime position to advance. It's pretty much done hosting the second leg and having a two-goal advantage. Nicolo Barella and Romelu Lukaku had the goals for Inter in Portugal. Manchester City also in position to advance, but they do have to go on the road in the second leg. They're facing Bayern. We know Bayern Munich never gives up. They're going to bring the fight, hopefully not in the locker room this time around. It's kind of a weird situation for Bayern right now. There was a locker room fight after the loss in Manchester. Uh, Thomas Tuchel is trying to right the ship, and the ship seems uh, rudderless or potentially with a lot of holes in it right now. I don't see them overturning this, but wouldn't it just be the Bayern way to uh, rally the troops and get it done in a game like this? I, I think I think the third goal ended up being the killer. I really do. Um, and I just don't think you're going to keep Erling Holland off the board. I think Manchester City goes through, but I do think they'll get a little bit of a scare. I think Bayern will score first and start to maybe awaken a few ghosts. But I don't think they get two goals unanswered. I don't think it gets to 3-2. I think Bayern scores first, has some chances before City gets one, and that pretty much puts it to bed. Number three on the world headlines, Argentina. They're going to host the U-20 World Cup. FIFA announced that on Monday. FIFA stripped Indonesia of the right to stage the tournament uh, back at the end of March that was announced when the Indonesian FA canceled the world cup draw that was going to be held in Bali as the governor in Bali refused to host Israel's team. So the Argentine FA, they formally submitted their bid to host the tournament one day after that at the South American football Confederation Congress. And that was approved officially today. So Argentina's U twenties did not qualify. Javier Mascherano, their manager, the legendary holding midfielder slash center back for Argentina and Barcelona and many others. He failed in his first big test as a manager. Well, he might be getting a reprieve. I mean, Argentina will be in the tournament now as a host, so they're in. Is he going to be the guy? That's what it sounded like in the Argentine media. Lionel Scaloni and Lionel Messi both want Mascherano to continue. They want him to, to get it right this time around. Very talented team, obviously. And when you get into some of these U-20 qualifying tournaments, you don't have your full complement of players because clubs can refuse to send players to youth national team duty. Don't think Argentina had maybe their best team in that When I don't know if they'll have their best team at the World Cup. The World Cup is May 20 to June 11. You might run into a few players that have some club conflicts at the beginning of it. And that can be a real interesting challenge. When you talk about the U.S. side of things, well, Caleb Wiley is one player that is an interesting element to a potential U.S. U-20 national team playing in that World Cup. Number of Atlanta United games in that time frame from May 20 to June 11. Um, The U.S. could make it very late in this tournament. They have before. Hmm. That's a really tricky situation. Philadelphia is going to have to deal with that, too, with quite a few different players. It's hard to say no to a World Cup. It's easier to say no to a qualifying tournament. Hard to say no to a World Cup. We'll be fascinated to see what the U.S. roster ends up looking like, and I will be fascinated to see what Argentina's roster ends up looking like and how Javier Mascherano bounces back from a poor qualifying tournament. Number four in the world headlines, I mentioned Caleb Wiley. Well, he's going to be in action on Wednesday this week. The U.S. men's national team hosting Mexico in Phoenix in a midweek, non-international window friendly. So this is a, a weird one. There's always spice when the U.S. and Mexico play. It doesn't matter what level it is. It doesn't matter how old the participants are. It doesn't matter. It's U.S. Mexico in a soccer match. It's going to get spicy. That's just what happens. One reason it's going to get spicy, Mexico has not beaten the United States since before the pandemic. September of 2019 is the last time that Mexico beat the United States. The U.S. has won their last four games, or unbeaten in their last four with Mexico. Last time out was a draw at the Estadio Azteca. Three wins before that, two wins in finals. Now, these teams... Very different-looking rosters, but they will meet again in June in the CONCACAF Nations League semifinals. This will be a fun one. This will be a good test. 10 o'clock, just after 10 o'clock kickoff on a Wednesday night. We'll see if Caleb Wiley gets the start for the United States. Three things that make me smile about this game that we love so much. Number one, Lincoln County High School. They've had both their boys' and girls' teams reach the round of 16 in the GHSA playoffs for the first time. Ever this year. Now the girls were knocked out this afternoon by Atlanta Classical Academy over at Silverbacks Park. I had the chance to go check it out. Uh, the Red Devils were in this one for uh, for pretty much the whole game. They they were dangerous at times. It was a it was a fun match to watch, and I, I love the fight that Lincoln County showed. Had a chance to talk briefly with their head coach Will Chomskis. And he took over the program fairly recently. It was at risk of being dropped if he didn't step up to coach this team. They've built the program to the point that Lincoln County had their first full JV team and schedule this season. They earned their first trip ever to the state tournament on the girls' side, and they won their first state tournament match ever. Incredible growth of the game down in Lincolnton, Georgia. Now, I mentioned, in this is my number two for the things that make me smile about the game, I mentioned Bernard Camungo of Dallas. He had the game-winning goal against Real Salt Lake. His story is amazing. He was born in a refugee camp in Tanzania, moved to Texas at 14 years old, came to a North Texas SC Open tryout in 2021, earned a pro contract, then was named to the MLS Next Pro Best 11 last season. Dallas is really high on him. They signed him to an MLS contract last August, and he gets a game-winning goal this past weekend. Love to see it. And number three, look, it's no surprise, Machop Chol scoring his first MLS goal on Saturday night. He is making the most of every opportunity that's put in front of him right now. Ever since his return from national team duty with South Sudan, Chol has been making an impact. And when you're coming off the bench, you've got to make things happen. Not always scoring goals, but he got that one in this game. And he's just been making things happen. I think he could be in line to start Sunday if Yorgos Yakimakis isn't able to go. We'll find that out as the week goes on. The team will return to training tomorrow. Media will be there Wednesday. I'll be there. They'll be back on Friday as well. The media will, and Gonzalo Pineda will speak to the media then. We'll know more by then. Maybe we'll know more by Wednesday. You can join Mike Conti and me for stoppage time Wednesday afternoon at 2 p.m. That's on the 92.9 The Game Facebook page. March to Match Day we'll post on the Off the Woodwork podcast and the 92.9 The Game YouTube page. That'll be Friday this week, even though the game's going to be on Sunday. It'll just be a little bit later in the day on Friday, maybe dinner time or so. Five Stripes Countdown, it'll start at 4 o'clock on Sunday afternoon. We will be on Star 94 this week as Atlanta United hosts the Chicago Fire. You can also listen on the Odyssey app. You can also listen on Apple TV, MLS Season Pass, change the audio to home team radio. You can also listen on the Atlanta United app. Have a good night. Thanks for hanging out with me on Atlanta soccer tonight. Adios, everybody.